Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and it's time for our fortnightly catch-up on the UK commodity markets with our Head of Risk Management and Energy Markets, Jason Durden. Jason, a lot's been going on in gas as we know, but in particular, the controversial Nord Stream 2 pipeline seems to be reaching an end point for the political shenanigans. Is the cause for optimism there, do you think? Very much so. I think, uh, you know, obviously it has a, a huge bearing on gas for UK delivery in as much as uh, it doesn't squeeze Norwegian, which we are totally dependent on in the UK. Obviously, a lot of conjecture over what Trump was trying to do and that uh, we saw probably a little softer positioning from Biden to the point where as part of her tour before she leaves office, uh, the German chancellor has been to the US and this has been been very much a huge agenda. Europe needs gas, the UK effectively needs it to happen uh, for its own purposes. And although after the visit of the Chancellor to uh, the US President, there was no expectations, there are some leaks in the uh, specialist press today that are saying a US-German accord on this is uh, is probably days and no more than weeks away. It ties in with the fact that a Russian ship is now doing the final buttoning up of the actual engineering project. So uh, it kind of... Um, just follows logic i think the source that uh, was quoted on the wires this morning through uh, refinitive was talking about classic little bit of a fudge really in terms of ukrainian energy transition help big investment by the us and germany there that would tick the box on the political angle and possibly a reverse flow agreement to protect the ukraine from any russian uh, future desire to stop flows into the ukraine full stop So I think that really, obviously, we need to wait and see if there's any legs in that and fruition. But judging from the piece and the source uh, or the the detail in there, I think that we can expect Nord Stream 2 into Europe in Q1 22. And on the back of that, the UK uh, winter price probably looks in its final throes before we get some reasonable good news rather than the uncertainty that the, the market's been pricing in recently. Well, it does certainly sound like good news, so fingers crossed for that over the next couple of weeks and we'll see what emerges. Certainly from a consumer's point of view, access to gas in Europe and the UK, which is physically connected to those markets, matters enormously. Uh, But maintenance, of course, has an impact on prices as well at this time of the year. But what's the situation there? Is maintenance and and the gas system going ahead as planned or are there any reasons for concern? We are almost certainly in the UK at the moment. This is peak kind of difficulty, I suppose, and and why there we've got slight exports resuming into the continent which we have been absent largely, but they are small in number and that's, uh, you know, but it's a change in what we've been seeing. Furthermore, we've just had one tanker of LNG arrive. There are a couple that look likely contenders to arrive before the end of the month and they may signal better LNG positioning in August as we would probably expect because the spread between the UK and the uh, Asian spot price for LNG has been reduced. Now we're sort of seeing 90 pence uh, being traded on the spot. So that would suggest that there's probably legs for a return of LNG there. But in terms of pipeline gas at the moment, we've 
got uh, Bacton Seal, Bacton generally, are still out. It's been ongoing since the 23rd of May, and it's been largely driven by Elgin Franklin Oil Pipeline maintenance. We understand that Elgin Franklin is due back on today and that we should be seeing proper flow levels through Bacton probably as early as Thursday or Friday of this week. Tie that into Nord Stream 1 maintenance in in Russia and Germany, finishing on Friday. And I think this is probably the last hurrah of the worst known parts of maintenance of course you know there are other parts of the UKCS that will spend most of August offline but I think in terms of the peak of NCS the peak of the Russian maintenance that comes into Europe that affects the UK's availability for Norwegian gas and the UK maintenance itself particularly around Bacton that's been a bit of a thorn in the side for a couple of months now that's all coming to a conclusion so there is reason to be cautiously optimistic the weather that we're enduring at the moment is also uh, and i use the term <laughs> advisedly is due to sort of peter out a little bit towards the end of this week and therefore any additional cooling load uh, gas demand that we've seen on the system will also uh, disappear so as i said peak maintenance by no means over this will go on until the end of september but in terms of what we're dealing with now i think prognosis looks pretty strong from early next week onwards well that sounds quite encouraging and i gather there's been developments in the oil market too we've had some you know the oil market's been pretty bullish for some time but i gather there's been a you know something of a reversal there or has there do you think uh, is this a blip or is this the start of a trend and what's prompted it Right, so we saw uh, $5 come out of forward uh, front month Brent yesterday, and I think that's the biggest move for several months uh, and longer than that on the downside. OPEC Plus agreed on Monday to reinstate the schedule of uh, increased production that they couldn't agree on. So in other words, they have kind of strong-armed the UAE into uh, accepting a deal, I would think, on the Saudi and Russian sides. But looking at the summary of the agreement, I think what it does and what the market's taken from it is that it puts that half a million barrels in from August, two million barrels by the end of the year. And it is now a clear strategy because the political fudge, if you like, to to get it over the line was that that it's business as usual to the end of the year or as was originally proposed. And then we've got an exit path through 22, which sees all of the cuts rescinded by September 22, with larger proportions to the UAE and bigger quotas for Russia and various the politically sensitive bits being agreed. So I think the market has said this is a roadmap to those 5.8 million barrels that are currently missing from the market being fully backed by September 22. And of course, at the same time, we've probably got another bout of jitters around actually the ability of economies to open up. Not just important because of the UK, in terms of us having uh, Freedom Day yesterday, and uh, I think the Dutch had theirs at the end of uh, June. But the, the COVID rates are escalating quite a bit. We're in the middle of a third wave. 
And uh, I think the market's just a little bit cautious about what that actually means in terms of um, potential for reversals and hospitalizations. I mean, obviously, the the expectation is that with the levels of uh, vaccinations, not just in the UK, but also across some of the bigger European states, that actually this big third spike will not uh, extend into lockdown measures being reintroduced but of course the market is relatively cautious and i think given the opec news as well it was probably an opportunity for the markets to pull back i think the interestingly enough uh, even as recently as last week the market was still positioning itself for uh, the funds to cover short positions so i think the market is still cautiously optimistic of upside in oil or, or, or certainly better things to come. But I think there really is an expectation that the market has fully recovered in the in the short term. You know, demand destruction is actively cited uh, as soon as we get into the $80 a barrel territory. And that really probably does cap, especially given the, the short term sort of focus on the shift to renewable fuels. Well, let's hope you're right about the slightly more optimistic view or realistic view, perhaps, about uh, recovery from COVID. Uh, We're not quite there yet, but there are grounds for cautious optimism. And thinking of this on the other side of the equation from oil, if you like, carbon. We had some hugely important announcements on the 14th of July, the Fit for 55 package from the European Commission, but also a series of announcements about transport and heat decarbonisation here in the UK. So what's the impact of that been? on the carbon markets carbon's really quite settled at the moment in terms of pricing we saw before last week we saw prices move off of their all-time highs 57 58 euro equivalent 50 odd pounds we've seen the uk carbon market settle into a discount having been at premium originally to the european contract but obviously i think the fit for 55 european measure was a largely leaked B, didn't really give anything to change anyone's minds on the immediate future, the Deck 21 and Deck 22 contract. Because of the nature of the European scheme, it is unlikely that, uh, or they've said it will be up to two years before they can verify this agreement. And on that basis, any haircut from current levels that would be applicable to 21 and 22 can't be actioned until 23. If you look in the round at the European contract, you can see that the market is contangoed. There obviously is expectations after this paper and the leak, or the leak before the actual fact, that the carbon haircut to the free allowances effectively will come into play from 23 on. And you can see a two euro contango on 23 and 24 contracts compared to 21 and 22 in a market in the energy space that really is heavily backwardated everywhere. So I think you can see that really is there. I suppose the difference is uh, the UK is very differently positioned in terms of price and we've seen that by it moving to a discount to the European scheme, which has obviously been relatively helpful, but volumes are generally very tiny in UK trading compared to those seen going through the EU scheme. And briefly on the UK scheme, I mean, there is a cost containment mechanism in there, isn't there? And one should bear in mind the UK scheme is only a few months old, so it's early days. But because of the extraordinary movement in carbon prices over the last year or two, uh, there's a risk of that being triggered in August, isn't there, I think? 
Yeah, so the mechanism is really designed to stop runaway prices. So I think that because of what's happened this year, if we're going to see this mechanism triggered, and I suppose it highlights the efficiencies of uh, doing it yourself as a single entity rather than having to get 27 signatories to the European scheme um, and why it doesn't take two years to, to trigger this. So August is the first month where if the price is more than double its two-year averages over a three-month period, then the, it triggers a release of new credits into the market. As of yet, the details are all a little bit not quite uh, clear to certainly to uh, to most people but i think august looks like it should be triggered but on the basis this trigger is double unless the carbon market continues to double over every 18 months or two year period which i suppose given what we've seen over the last six months it did don't rule anything out we're likely to see the first few months wash out any release of new credits and one would expect the market to settle down into a less than sort of uh yeah doubling is significant but what i would say is that august is right on the cusp depending on how you interpret the rules it's right on the cusp of being triggered so we could actually see some increased volume being put into the auctions in august which will be quite interesting because the uk system in august is scheduled to auction two lots of reduced volume uh, at a time where we know there aren't any auctions in Europe during August and therefore there tends to be an increase in the secondary price in, in the market. So very early days, very positive in terms of there is action happening because this is the first month of the trigger and obviously the data for May was only a few days. There's still a few question marks around this. But I think, you know, if there is any pressure from this mechanism in August, it's on the slight downside and not to the upside. Right. Well, we'll, I guess we'll find out uh, one way or another fairly shortly. And important to recognise, as you say, this isn't a sign that the market isn't working. It's built into the market design and uh, shouldn't necessarily be indicative of the way things are going to work in future unless we're in truly extraordinary circumstances again. And lastly, briefly on power prices, as we've observed before, this time of year, fantastic output from the UK's um, solar capacity, which is wonderful from a low carbon point of view and um, from consumer's point of view as well. When the wind's blowing, it's been producing an awful lot of power, but in the last few days, it hasn't, producing less than 2%, and hence gas producing nearly half our power in order to keep the lights on. So what's that done to power prices and balancing costs? Well, very acute, really, Jeremy. In terms of power prices, they remain highly elevated, and it's not just in the UK, to be fair. It's uh, across Europe. And that is that we've had, a in the UK and uh, the near continent, we have had a, a lack of wind this commercial summer, effectively. So the summer season, not the meteorological season, has been well below average in terms of wind. Uh, and therefore, there has been call on more traditional dispatchable power to bridge that gap. There's virtually... Uh, there's less than one megawatt um, which is less than a 30th of uh, actual demand today being sated by wind and obviously solar has been outperforming of course as you'd expect in current climate over the UK but uh, that's uh, during daylight hours only so we have been seeing very high balancing prices continue we've been seeing forward prices continue at uh, you know 90 pounds a megawatt hour for the balance of the summer a lot of that's driven by the, the, the very high elevated gas price, of course. Carbon is relatively neutral, sort of, you know, well within ranges at current levels. 
But I do also think the UK's greater dependence on imports through its French and Dutch interconnectors and soon to be Norwegian interconnector are proving problematic now that we're outside of the single uh, European energy market effectively. There seems to be more sort of opportunity for participants to hold out for higher prices and, and balancing prices which in turn shaped day ahead prices and short month, front month prices have been incredibly high. So there's nothing spectacular about today, even without any wind, plenty of gas, there is some coal running counterintuitively. First thing this morning, there was even some expensive um, open cycle gas turbines running. But the auction process to attract French and Dutch power seems to be attracting balancing price levels that you know, we're currently seeing the markets clearing at the moment at £130 a megawatt hour um, for the last two or three hours. And that obviously has a direct impact. I think perhaps once COVID is not dominating government agendas, we probably need to look at this and uh, to sort of uh, remove some of the, uh, the pinch points here. But it certainly underlines the fact that uh, you can stick as many windmills in the ground as you like. You need some way of storing that energy and dispatching it where it's needed and when it's needed so i think we don't want to go down the the american model where california the eighth richest economy in the world still has rolling blackouts because they've discarded fossil fuels so quickly and not really thought through the solution Indeed, the one way we don't want to bring demand and supply into balance is by uh, lopping consumers off the system altogether. An uh, important uh, point on which to conclude. Thank you, Jason, for your tour over, a comprehensive tour over so many issues. Interesting, of course, to reflect uh, on Angela Merkel's role in perhaps one of her, her legacies being uh, finally allowing the Nord Stream 2 project to complete. Of course, uh, it was only a few years ago, one of her predecessors left the job as Chancellor and uh, ended up with a board seater with gas prom but I, I can't see her doing the same thing anyway thank you for your reflections and your information always useful i hope you enjoyed that too if you'd like to find out more have a look at our website alphaenergygroup.com forward slash uk have a look at our reports there and do look out for another podcast from us again soon <laughs>